podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Double Century on the 99.94 Podcast Network. India lasted only three matches at the 2007 World Cup. You would think that would be the biggest story in Indian cricket, but 11 days after they were knocked out, the Indian media mogul Shubhash Chandra dropped a bombshell in Delhi. He launched a 2020 tournament, the Indian Cricket League. By this point, 2020 was not exactly new, but the amount of money that Chandra was going to pump into this was absolutely incredible. 100 crore rupees was about 23 million US dollars at 2007 conversion rates. I think no matter when you look at it, that's a lot of money. But the money was one thing. The other thing was that the ICL was going to be a private league. It would have no link to the BCCI's operation. It would be, I suppose what we call in cricket, a rubber league, with games running parallel to matches organised by the BCCI. There had been privately organised exhibition matches in India before, of course. In India, they were usually called masala matches. Big stars used to play, with lots of prize money at stake. But this was before the BCCI had figured out how to make money from selling their own TV rights. And the Indian cricketers of that era were nowhere near as rich as they were now. At that time, the masala matches were important for their finances. This was different. In 2007, Indian international cricketers were already making a lot of money. There was also the fact that it was that format, T20, because India really hadn't taken T20 seriously until then. They had only played one international game and not even been serious about sending a team to the first World Cup. At the ICC conference, the BCCI secretary, Niranjan Shah, had asked, T20, why not 10 or 5-5 or 1-1? And before the team was announced, Sachin Tendulkar, Surav Ganguly, Rahul Dravid had all opted out. To be fair, at that point, the ICC weren't that serious about 20-over cricket themselves. They actually called the first edition, and quite a few editions afterwards, the World T20, not even wanting to give it the title of T20 World Cup, despite the fact that it clearly was. In fact, they didn't actually call it a World Cup until the 2020 edition in Australia for the women. For the 2007 World T20, the qualifiers were played in the ODI format, essentially saying that the two formats were basically the same. So it seemed kind of weird that someone would invest so much money for a format that very few people in India had any clue about. But Chandra had his own reasons. Back in 1992, he had founded ZTV, the first privately owned TV channel in India. In 2003, he launched Dish TV, the first satellite television provider in the country. He was a pioneer in the Indian TV market. And now he wanted to come to cricket because that is where everyone in India wants to go. Chandra tried to secure the telecast rights for cricket in India. He did everything within his limits. He bought 10% of 10 sports. His tender outbid everyone else's. But the BCCI still sold the rights to ESPN Star Sports. He even sued the BCCI and ESPN Star, but nothing came out of that. So uh, he decided to buy the cricketers instead. This way, he would own the cricketers and the entire tournament. And unlike the IPL, he would own the teams too. He could now make it exactly what he wanted and he would telecast Indian cricket on his own channel, Z Sports. Essentially, very similar to what Kerry Packer had done 30 years before him. The ICL would have six teams. He planned to expand it to 16 within three years, which is quite an expansion. Every team would have their own state-of-the-art training facilities, mentors, media managers, psychologists, physios. There would be an executive board and a rules committee, and players would have an ombudsman. 
The matches were T20 to begin with, but ODIs would soon follow, and the prize money would be 1 million US dollars. That was about 4.5 crore in Indian rupees at that point. But TV rights were not all Chandra had been after. He accused the BCCI of being unable to create a reserve pipeline of players. He promised Indian cricket an ideal pool with killer instinct. Every squad would have two Indian internationals, four overseas players and eight domestic cricketers. The ICL scouts would travel all 35 Indian states to look for the best young Indian talent and the BCCI would be free to select from his cricketers. I mean, as you could tell, it was very ambitious. There's no doubt about that. Not just because T20 was pretty much an unknown format at this point, but Chandra was effectively challenging the BCCI's monopoly on scheduling and organising cricket in India. And as you may have noticed, the BCCI is still in control because they did not make it easy for him at all. This season is about rich people who decided that they would make cricket better or more about them and sometimes both. Maybe they wanted to profit from it or just insert themselves into an 11 they had no right to be. But they had the money and cricket was purchased by them for their own wants and needs. Welcome to the people who bought cricket. This episode is about the media tycoon called Shubhash Chandra. Snubbed by the BCCI over a television contract, Chandra bought Indian cricketers to launch his own personal league that produced a butterfly effect that changed cricket pretty much forever. Back in the mid-1990s, Lalit Modi had envisaged an ODI tournament of city-based private franchises. The idea at the time got rejected because the BCCI didn't want to share profits with franchisees, but also because they didn't believe the amounts Modi had promised. The plans had been gathering dust somewhere in a BCCI office. Chandra was launching a very similar tournament. It's not clear whether he knew about Modi's idea, but he was indeed using the BCCI's rejected plan to beat them. The BCCI realised that they had been sitting on this idea without doing anything about it. Their response was brutal. They banned every ICL cricketer from playing for India. A lifetime ban. They then used their clout at the ICC to ban international cricketers who signed up for the ICL. If it wasn't a Rebel League before, the ICL was certainly one at this point. But Chandra still signed up some huge names. Former cricketers like Brian Lara, Chris Cairns, Inzaman Al-Haq, Lance Klusner were not really in contention for international cricket, so they were fairly easy to get. But there were also active players like Andrew Hall, Daryl Tuffy, Abdul Razak and Ian Harvey. The Indian stars, however, were not as enthusiastic. There were former international players like Rowan Gavaska, J.P. Vadev, Hemang Badani, Deep Das Gupta, Ratinda Sodhi, J.P. Yadav, but the pool mostly consisted of domestic cricketers who weren't particularly well-known. Some of them were maybe on the fringe of one day playing for India, but there was no guarantee. Chandra also got former cricketers in key administrative roles, Kapodev as the head of the ICL Executive Committee. Ajik Wadaka, Prasanna, Maiden Lal, Sandeep Patel, Tony Gregg, Dean Jones, just many other well-known players with these interesting titles. But he didn't get the people who really mattered. There was no Tendulkar, or Dravid, Ganguly, Kumble, Yuvraj, Habajan, or Dhoni. And the BCCI's clampdown continued. They sacked Kapil Dev as the National Cricket Academy chair. They instructed the state associations to not let the ICL use their venues. They tried to corner the ICL and squeeze them into submission. But the ICL had money, and so they found some support. They got a practice venue at the Marjal Complex, which was a resort near Chennai. Lalu Prasad Yadav was the railway cabinet minister, and he offered the ICL every ground owned by the Indian railways. And of course, the railways were a fairly major Ranji Trophy side. Subhash Chakraborty was the sports minister of West Bengal, and he even offered Eden Gardens to the ICL. 
But eventually, the entire first edition was played at the Tal Devi Lal Cricket Stadium in Panchkula. And Chandra had one thing that could make it look a little bit sexier. He had access to a lot of Bollywood. He got the stars to perform at innings breaks. Cabinet Minister Lalo Prasad Yadav and actor Karina Kapoor were present at their very first match, as was the politician Amir Singh. In fact, as the ICL went on, more and more Bollywood stars started to show up to the games. The six teams were called the Chandragal Lions, the Chennai Superstars, the Delhi Jets, the Hyderabad Heroes, the Kolkata Tigers, and the Mumbai Champs. Those six teams matched up with the popular Bollywood singers was enough for Chandra to woo the Indian audience. And it looked like he kind of won the initial round. The only thing was that the BCCI was about to play its trump card. Two days after the 2007 World T20 began, the BCCI launched their own 2020 tournament. At that point, Indian cricketers were already making way more money than their predecessors had. But Lalit Modi promised substantial raises on even that. He promised salaries at par with footballers and NBA players. And it is possible that Chandra could have matched that. But money was not the IPL's biggest USP. It was that it was the BCCI's own cricket tournament. No cricketer would be banned for playing there. And so because of that, the IPL was going to give the Indian audience what the ICL could not the biggest Indian cricketers in the world. The ICL still had the early mover advantage, but now something else happened. In the air, Srijan takes it! India win! Unbelievable scenes here at the bullring. What a match for a 2020 final. India, the world champions. A massive, massive success. India, the world TT champions. When India defeated Pakistan in what was an incredible game at the World T20 in South Africa, it meant that everyone back in India suddenly knew what T20 was and was fascinated by it. They had seen Indian cricketers and young Indian cricketers, more importantly, dominate the format, and they wanted it at home. They were obviously speculations that the BCCI had launched the IPL as a response to the ICL. Lalit Modi strongly denied this. He insisted that the BCCI had been working on the concept for two years. If they did do that, they seemed to do it very much in secret. And all I could say is that the IPL idea had been there, but not used for a very long time. Suddenly, it sprung up when Chandra launched the ICL. It was the Chennai superstars who won the first edition of that ICL as well. But that's also when the problem began. Chandra was now left with six teams worth of cricketers who were not allowed to play anywhere else. If the ICL had private franchise owners, Chandra's perils might have been shared a little bit. But he now had to personally pay the cricketers and keep them in touch throughout the year. And the only way to make money was for the same cricketers to play more matches. So three months after the first ICL, Chandra decided to have a second season. This was in March of 2008, just before the inaugural IPL. They even added a new team, the Lahore Badshahs, which only had Pakistani players. They would actually be an incredibly exciting team and they would reach the final but lose to the Hyderabad Heroes. There was still a small gap between the end of the ICL season and the beginning of the first IPL season. And at this stage, Chandra came up with a pretty smart idea. His league didn't have the biggest stars, but he could arrange for one big contest, an Indian-Pakistan cricket match. And so he launched a three-team tournament. Kerry Packer had the Australian 11, West Indies 11, and a World 11 playing in the World Series. So Chandra got an Indian 11, Pakistan 11, and a World 11 to play in a T20 series. The IPL started three days after the final of this quasi-international tournament. 
And with Brendan McCullum's runs, it became such a quick, instant success that the ICL began to fade from memory almost immediately. In October 2008, after sufficient time had passed after the IPL, Chandra made a last-ditch attempt to have one more season. This time, there was also a Bangladeshi team, the Dhaka Warriors, and it was the Lahore Badshahs who actually won this edition. But it just didn't matter anymore. At this stage, there was only one contest between Chandra and the BCCI, and uh, Chandra was losing. He decided to try for a second season of that ICL 20s World Series. This time, he would gather a Bangladesh 11 as well. But things only got worse. The third match of this quadrangular tournament was played in Ahmedabad on the 26th of November. On that same day, there was a terrorist attack in Mumbai. The tournament had to be abandoned midway through. The following year, the BCCI were very smart, and they offered amnesty to the cricketers and former cricketers, match officials, support staff, and everyone else who was involved with the ICL. And 101 of them accepted. Many of them even would go on to play and work in the IPL. The ICL by this point had run its course. Chandra moved away from live TV coverage, and in 2016, Z sold 10 sports to Sony. But no matter what, Subhash Chandra was definitely the first man to challenge the monopoly of the BCCI in Indian cricket outside of the royal families. And he didn't do it partly because he did not plan well enough, and just also because of the BCCI's unexpected and uncharacteristic swiftness. He changed the game in a few different ways. There are many people who believe that the fixing craze in T20 cricket really can be traced back to the ICL. One of the players you will have heard me mention before was Chris Cairns. And of course, a couple of years ago, he was involved in a very public lawsuit over fixing, which he won. But a lot of the rumors and articles that were written about Cairns can actually be traced back to the ICL. And to be fair, it's not just him. There were many, many rumors of even Tony Gregg storming in to tell the players to stop fixing because people could tell while watching on TV. I remember watching some games in the ICL where it honestly looked like both teams were trying to lose on purpose. And so in that way, you can see that Chandra really didn't help cricket at all. It was so unprofessional at times, the ICL, and didn't have the right kind of professional system to really look after the early players and coaches. And there was clearly some bad things going on. Chandra did leave a legacy in Indian cricket. He failed, but the BCCI realized after this that domestic cricketers had been underpaid. They knew that Chandra didn't work, but that it was possible that the next person might. They would go on to double the match fees of domestic cricketers from 16,000 rupees to 35,000, and it has continued to rise since the ICL as well. There's no doubt that a bit like Kerry Packer, this league really exists because Subhash Chandra wanted his TV station to be bigger than it was. But a bit like Packer, he saw that the boards weren't looking after their players. And sometimes that's what the system needs, even if, in this case, Chandra actually failed. Double Century is a podcast on the 99.94 network. You can download our app via the show notes or look for us on social media to see all the podcasts and audio we produce. If you prefer your podcast ad-free, you can support us on Patreon to get that version. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century on 99.94 is a podcast narrated, produced and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes and co-produces the show. Podcast Network.